0: Hi, all. I'm Dan Smegrod, founder of the We Get Around Network Forum. Today is Thursday, January 27th, 2022, and you're watching WGAN-TV Live at 5. We have an awesome show for you today, Matterport Timeline 2014 to the Present, Milestones, Insights, and Commentary. And uh, my guest today, uh, 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 hey, Emily, good to see you. Thanks for being on the show again.
1: Thanks, Dan. Hi, good to be here.
0: Uh, Emily Ullman, founder of Hopscotch Interactive based in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, Emily, I reached out to you because you did this awesome uh, video, Matterport Timeline, uh, short video that you published to the Hopscotch Interactive YouTube channel. And I, I thought it would be great to have you on the show really to talk about more on the insights and commentary as opposed to what happened on which date. Um, before we jump into that topic, how about telling us about Hopscotch Interactive?
1: Absolutely. So Dan, thank you so much for having me here. I am so glad to be on your show today. It's been a while, and uh, i'm I'm also excited that you were interested in learning more about this timeline because uh, I put it together many years ago. This has actually just been refreshed lately, but I created this in, I want to say, you know, maybe 2019 or, or 2018. It's been a while, but Hopscotch Interactive, since you asked, is a boutique real estate marketing agency, which I started in 2015 for the promotion of extraordinary spaces. And I wanted to do that in 3D and VR. And so I, I, have expanded the agency over the years. We have done, in addition to Matterport, we do um, real estate photography, we do videography, drone. We do all those real estate services. Uh, and we also have been trying to be a thought leader as well in uh, virtual, reality, virtual reality and augmented reality. It's a very big passion of mine Uh, I consult for commercial real estate and residential real estate for different uh, marketing departments. And so it's really my passion. And also to see what's on the cutting edge of technology and how I can better serve my clients with uh, the, the frontier of all this exciting stuff.
0: Awesome. How did you first learn about Matterport? When did you buy a Matterport camera?
1: I first learned about Matterport in, I want to say late 2014, Uh, a friend of mine uh, was starting a new company. Um, He was recruiting me to come back from Europe. I was living in Germany for several years and uh, he had this idea to start a new company and Matterport was something that he was very interested in using. It was a property management 2.0 2.0 uh, company and Matterport was very exciting because of all of the interesting things that it could do um, in terms of sort of data collection and, and video and 360. And so we were interested in it from a property management standpoint, actually, and from landlords. And I was at that company. I tested not just Matterport, um, but so many different technologies, 360 cameras, and I just love the Matterport. So, when uh, I parted ways with the company in sort of late 2015, we'd already purchased one as a team and we'd done many scans and we'd been out in the field using it for months. Um, I needed to, so my mother-in-law was selling a property and I wanted to use a Matterport. So I did that and I borrowed it from my friend, and then we used it. The realtor was like, okay, sure. If you want to use that, you can. She wasn't going to stop me. Uh, and then basically from that, Hopscotch Interactive was born because the realtor was getting call after call about how did you do this? And she said to me, do you do this as a service? And I said, well, yeah, sure. So then I, that was when I, I, I returned the camera to my friend and I bought my own. And I, I really launched Hopscotch from sort of this like very bootstrapped and uh, very much, you know, let's see what happens. Uh, you know, business idea.
0: Awesome. But let's go back. Uh, that was 2015 when Hopscotch Interactive was born. And when you bought your Matterport camera for uh, Hopscotch Interactive, Matterport began before that. When when was it really that we know that Matterport kind of started with the camera that we think of today?
1: Oh, the camera we think of today. Uh... I would say, yeah. I mean, I say that it launched in 2014. So I, that was the pro one camera and the pro two camera is the next generation of that camera. However, it has it, the, you know, the the form factor has not changed significantly with between the pro one and the pro two. However, the software as a service and the the, um, Matterport ecosystem, which is what they have always been talking about, um, is the thing that became more and more in focus as the years went on.
0: All right. right, we'll, we'll talk about that more later. Let's go back in time. What was kind of significant about 2014, 2015 about Matterport?
1: Well, for me, and I think for many people, was that it coincided um, with this Total explosion in virtual reality and the interest in VR. Um, Oculus was purchased by uh, Facebook, as you recall. And so when Oculus is purchased by Facebook, uh, that meant that a lot of funding went into the VR, um, you know, the VR industry. And it was a great time to be a founder back then. And there was a lot of interest in this. And this was just, you know, the, the, the very beginning days of Matterport starting to get a little bit of a brand. And for me, what really captured my um, imagination was being able to use this camera to then create virtual reality content all in one. So a virtual tour, virtual, virtual reality content and that was something that then you could show to people, you could take it around in your, in your purse. You could have a, a Gear VR, which was a Samsung product, and uh, we could convert spaces into virtual reality and share those with other people. So I demoed Matterport from early tw- late 2015, early 2016. I would go to VR meetups, I would demo it, I would share it with people and I was just super excited about it.
0: money yeah of of vr at that time
1: it cost a lot of money yeah i don't know if people know that but it cost us five hundred dollars um yeah five hundred dollars per model to convert a space into vr so i didn't get a lot of people that wanted to pay that much money for it but that,
0: That's on top of whatever Hopscotch Interactive charged. So you, you had at least a, a, a fixed cost of 500, at least $500 per Matterport model converted to virtual reality.
1: Yes, but I will tell you that one of my very first VR projects, and this may shock some people, but scanning plus VR was $10,000. So uh, you know, I think that that number was very exciting to me because I felt like I was offering something nobody else offered and I wasn't just giving somebody, you know, the same old virtual tour. And so we could charge a premium and that was, that was great. But again, there's not a lot of people who have just $10,000 laying around for VR when it's not fully rolled out. So it, so So much more I could say about that. but
0: How much more does Matterport charge today for virtual reality?
1: Oh, so virtual reality is basically free at this point. You just have to have a quest in order, you know, a a VR um, viewing uh, device in order to view it. Or I, I believe you can still get access to the showcase. I was looking at the app. You know, it's still on my phone. So I could download the VR Matterport showcase app. And uh, I could look at models uh, in stereoscopic view uh, with a Google Cardboard, but the best experience is with a uh, a Quest. So yeah, Oculus it's still now Oculus yeah. Quest, Oculus yeah. Quest Two, Rift. Uh, those are those are the devices that are are the best for viewing now.
0: So lo- looking at your timeline, actually Matterport didn't officially offer Google Cardboard support until 2017. The virtual reality began as early as 2015. Yes. I believe at this point, Matterport is actually sunset Google Cardboard and really today it's just Oculus Quest or Oculus Go uh, in oh. terms of devices supported.
1: Yeah, and the Go was also, you know, they stopped producing the Oculus Go, which I had one, but I sold it, you know, at least two years ago.
0: All right, short Uh, answer uh, today, if you want to do virtual reality meets Matterport, Oculus Quest. Yeah. Uh, You know, I noticed on your timeline that it says multi-floor features in 2014. Why was that kind of a milestone that you could have multiple floors?
1: Uh, I'm trying to remember, in fact, why that was so significant, but I think that it had to do with the navigation in the showcase. Uh, do you do you recall exactly? Well, what the I'll, I'll was? add
0: a little because I, I bought my Matterport camera in July of 2014, and uh, at that time, if you wanted to shoot a second floor, you could. It's just that the scan points were were on the same level. Uh, you couldn't you couldn't differentiate between uh, one floor and the other on your iPad. So you had to mentally keep track of, oh, you got the first floor. Now these are the scans going up the stairs. Now you're on the second floor and your uh, mini-map looked a mess. Um, So I kind of feel like 2014, 2015 for me was like a ginormous Matterport public beta. Yeah, Um, As exciting at the time, we just kind of all rolled with it and accepted. And I do remember sh- trying to shoot a super large space among the first spaces that I tackled, called Matterport. When I was having trouble on site, uh, they took my call on a weekend, and uh, oh, we just hadn't thought about doing fifty thousand square foot spaces, uh, <laughs> but we'll 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 figure out how to make that happen for you. So
1: absolutely, uh, Dan, and that was what was kind of brilliant about the early days was that. Uh, It was definitely an open beta. In fact, we still had it when Matterport would load, the preview screen prior to it, it would be a Unity logo. I don't know if you recall that the Unity logo would flash.
0: Vaguely, Uh, yeah. Yeah, so the Unity logo would
1: flash. So they didn't even pay for their Unity license to (laughs) white labeled uh, when they first had the app on iOS. And so uh, having done iOS development with my other company, uh, you know, we had, we we didn't pay for it either. And I just remembered how funny that was thinking about that later going, oh my gosh, they didn't even, ha- they hadn't even paid for that yet.
0: And, and so. probably funny because when I, I, I actually bought the, the Matterport Pro 1 3D camera just after Matterport got funding of three, $30 million. So I figured, okay, uh, I can build an ecosystem around this with the the forum uh, and I have confidence in spending $4,500 on a camera from a company that's just starting out. I figured, okay, they got deep pockets at least to get going. Uh, in, in fact, we probably even shouldn't dwell too much on 2014, 2015, even 2016, because you and I could reminisce forever about all the things that were happening early on. And there's actually so much exciting stuff that's, that's happened true. since then and even uh, current. But I do see on your timeline 2016 or so, 2000, 2015, Matter Tags debut, Um Matterport statistics, excuse me, starts in 2016. What was significant about Matterport offering outdoor 360s in August of 2016?
1: Okay, that one was a big deal because prior to that, uh, scanning outdoors, as you know, was a hack and it still is to this day if you're not using Cortex. (laughs) Uh, It really depends on how much ultraviolet light is interfering with the infrared in the camera. And so we were not able to suppress the infrared whatsoever. And therefore, we would either have to shoot an exterior scan in the morning hours in the shade if we were lucky or, you know, after the sun had gone down. So it so, was
0: So so let me translate a little bit for our, our, our viewers that may be new totally to Matterport and trying oh. to understand what we've just said there is that today Matterport enables you to do 360 scans, 360 views, 360 scans are what we think of perhaps matter port and 3D models, 360 views are outdoor scans that don't have data attached to the 360, but enable us to shoot a 360 outdoors. And so prior to that, you, uh, shooting scanning outdoors was really an, an art, not a science, of having to understand that you could scan as long as the camera couldn't see the sun, sunsets, sunsets, sunrise, but before the sun could see the camera.
1: Oh yeah. I showed up once at a cemetery at like six or five 30 or six in the morning to scan an outdoor area just in the, when, before the sun came up and I was going as long as I could until the sun came up. And then there was just a point where nothing would align anymore. And then it was done. And that was what we did. You know, we just sort of like we hacked it, and we would tell clients we would think it would work, but we couldn't guarantee it. And so having a three sixty built into the system um, for exteriors, because interiors, it was fine, really, You would just scan more or scan to that location. But it was it was uh, it was a game changer for the product as an actually useful tour. You know, it was great before, but it wasn't a use it wasn't as much of a useful tour if you're missing the entire exterior. Um, of the property.
0: And I, and I don't recall if it was in 2016 or 2015, Matterport introduced Matterport highlight reel, which was another feature that seemed to be important as a way to jump from living room to kitchen to bedroom, as opposed to walking through the space, if you really wanted to get someplace quickly.
1: Yeah. Hard to imagine that that didn't exist at any, at some point, but it didn't and so yeah it's crazy if you're starting now and you think it's just this incre- you know incredibly robust software uh, and workshop for you to do these uh tour creation the tour creation uh that, that wasn't always the case
0: in the later part of 2016 matterport introduces point clouds access the point clouds what is that why does that matter
1: ah dan You should just throw me a softball. (laughs) Uh, So, the point clouds. Okay, well, uh, the point cloud data, and at that time, I we should also say. there was no paywall associated with the point cloud data. So when the, uh, when the scanner is used to create a model, to create a tour, a tour um, it basically is a, what we call a time of flight sensor. And so the time of flight sensor is sending out many, many points of light. Those are coming back and being read by the sensor in the camera. And that distance is measured, it creates the geometry of the tour and geometry of the model. That data, those the point cloud, this sort of simplified colored point cloud, if you will, um, is available to people who have access to the files as an XYZ file. Okay, so the XYZ file is a point cloud, meaning it is basically the, it's sort of the Foundational building blocks of um, of, a me- of a mesh of vertices that then are then further simplified to create the dollhouse and what we see. But it's really the it's the underlying DNA of a scan, if you want to put it into those terms.
0: So, in, I, you know, I, I notice on looking up at your Matterport timeline chart, you have two. Sections. One is Matterport Virtual Tour Company and the other is Matterport Digital Twin Company. Yeah. It seems like that might have been the beginning of actually unlocking the data that moved into Matterport positioning itself as a digital twin company.
1: I think it was always there, to be honest. I think that the 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 moment that I put on this timeline. So, you know virtual tour company to digital twin company, that is more about their PR team saying, oh, hey, marketing is saying we need to start using digital twin. As maybe now, if you ask somebody, ask their marketing team, they would wanna say, oh, we're a metaverse company. You might wanna, they may wanna change that based on whatever is going to help them with their company and the brand. Um, but yes, I think that all along, the value and the underlying value of the scans was never only just the uh, visual elements, but it was the spatial elements. And
0: well, it, so I, I, I want to say that when Matterport uh, unlocked the point clouds, uh, I don't even know if it was called M- Matter Pack. I guess it wasn't even called a Matter Pack at that time. So no. at some point in the future, Matterport productizes the point cloud calls it a matter pack. Yeah. And then starts charging for it.
1: Yeah. And exactly. So there were a couple of years where it was free for you to get your own data and they didn't have it. It wasn't called a matter pack. And then they tried to say, okay, well, you're going to get in the matter pack. Well, we're going to take away the the free one, which is all I needed. I only needed the, actually it's, the OBJ, which is the object, object file, which can be then imported into Unity, um, was more relevant to me because I was more interested in using that for virtual reality. But for architects and for design and for digital twin or people who want to you know, have a, a digital twin of a property to use it for other analysis or for IoT, having the point cloud can be valuable uh, and perhaps, you know, more valuable perhaps. But, but the and point no, is, is that, yeah, it was, it was, they did put a paywall up and then they, so then if all you needed was the OBJ, well, too bad. You have to buy OBJ. You have to buy XYZ and ceiling plan. I've never used a ceiling plan.
0: Yes. Well, uh, so, uh, pack may not be the appropriate product or service for you, but who, who, who wants to buy a Matter Pack, and what do you do with it?
1: Ah, so basically, you can use the Matter Pack. You can use the different files, uh, like I mentioned, to import that into design software. And so it's really useful for uh, somebody who needs to put it into, uh, you know, a like I think it was um, into Autodesk software. If they want to use it in uh, anything for architecture, then they, then they, for them, it's a huge time-saving because they're able to basically shortcut the, the part of their workflow where they have to go out and do hand measurements, at least for initial planning.
0: So if, if you're an architect and, and you've been commissioned to redesign a space, instead of maybe going out and taking a thousand pictures and a thousand measurements to then reconstruct somebody else's design from many years ago, you could actually engage a Matterport service provider, scan the space, order the Matter Pack, convert the file either to SketchUp or Revit or AutoCAD, whatever right. preferred software, and then actually begin designing the space rather than reconstructing someone else's previous space.
1: Yeah, it's a shortcut. And for architects and for anyone who needs to have Also for, you know, for a what I liked about Matterport prior, you know, now things seem to be, you know, you can sort of doctor the spaces a little bit more in a way, but those were sort of time stamped in a way because they could not be changed after they were processed unless you added to them and re-uploaded them. And so it was really like a moment in time where you could say, look, this is what it looked like when we started the job. Now we have the reference, we could see what it all looked like. We have you know, infinite reference image, images and we have the data. So it's a huge time saving for anybody who is an architect or needs to, doesn't want to revisit a job every time they just want to know where an outlet is in a room.
0: Uh, let's move to 2017. I, I see on your chart, core VR, iOS, daydream, web VR, Matterport, scenes app, um, So, why don't we start with those two? What, what what was, what were they, and why were they significant?
1: Oh my gosh, I want to reach for a. I have an old Android phone, the Zen Phone AR, in one of my drawers, so I could show it to you. Basically, let's start with the Scenes app. So, something that we all have now on our devices, right? So, we've got our um, our lenses here with lidar built into our iPhones or um, a core um, is it core VR? You have this um, AR core um, in Android apps um, or Android phones. And so you you're able to basically scan and and therefore create that, that point cloud in your, from your phone, uh, which is very, very cool. And uh, so I can use this now to even make Matterport scans, right? Like my iPhone is a scanning device. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: but i I think of that as is 2020 as opposed to 2017. it's not
1: though it was way so slam technology uh which is what this was based on so this was based on um google tango and Mm -hmm. so there were a few consumer google tango devices which was sort of this dev Uh, kit yeah for google for, for um slam and so simultaneous location and mapping which meant that the the cameras uh the, the sensors on the phones these two phones it was like there was a i think the phone i got the zenphone ar and maybe there was a like an, a lenovo phone
0: yeah i i forget that that uh, google was was actually considered oh maybe a competitor of of uh, of data collection using this google tango which I believe came out around even before maybe the Matterport Pro 1 3D camera in 2014.
1: Yeah, there were very big devices like clunky dev kit, like bigger dev kits, I think. I didn't have one, but a lot of folks that I know in San Francisco had them at their agencies. And they were developing things for those um, so that they could use them for augmented reality. And Matterport Scenes was so cool because it was... This early version of um, what we now have in such a more robust form, with AR Kit and AR Core running um, augmented reality and sort of these um, the lidar scanning happening in our phones. Uh, and let, so- let's
0: pause there because th- this actually comes up a few years from now. And, uh, and, and, and let's put a, a, a pin already in the core VR and the Matterport scenes because actually there's new technology that Matterport's come out with. And we'll talk about that. I still want to say in 2017, Matterport comes out with the Matterport Pro 2 3D, 3, uh, 3D camera. Uh, what's different than the Pro 2 versus the Pro 1?
1: Oh, hold on. Let's go there in a second. But I just, we, we didn't finish talking about the Daydream and WebVR and core VR iOS. So the thing I want to say about that before we jump ahead is that Daydream was an all-in-one wearable headset, right? It was untethered. It was not one that needed to be plugged in. And so what that meant is that over the web, you could experience virtual reality content and experience Matterport spaces in an immersive environment without tethering, meaning connection to a PC, right? So that's just, I wanna just make sure that we say that at that point, obviously Daydream got sunset and it didn't move forward, but that particular- I'm confused
0: because I I mean, uh, uh, someplace in my technology library, my junk room, my wife might say, uh, is is a uh, a Gear VR and I could experience a, a Matterport tour. And that was wireless.
1: Yes, that's true. That's true. But this, I think, uh, the, the difference being is that I want to say that I could, I, I don't remember actually down. It's a good point, but I think that it might have been only through the browser potentially, and not that you had to also have the, the app. And I would have to look back at that. Uh,
0: I, I want to say at the time, you really had to pay Matterport $500 or more and have the model converted to VR. And it was not uh, browser based. It was, I, gee, I'm going to use some terms that I don't even understand. Side-loaded to my device that let me view uh a stereoscopic uh view uh with with of Matterport more on Uh,
1: cardboard but that was the thing that was cool like so then they changed it so they stopped doing this whole VR they they Uh, launched VR core and I think or core VR and I think that's when they stopped they said no more five hundred dollars they said now it's free for everybody every space will have a little goggle And you can just navigate from that goggle to either your cardboard or to if you have a daydream, you can do it in daydream. Yes, probably a good decision
0: in in terms of reaching the masses, though, uh, the the version of virtual reality actually changed because I want to say in the early version of Matterport virtual reality, I want to say you really felt like you were. Totally immersed.
1: Well, those were hand blended. So they were basically taking your tour. That's why it costs $500 is because they were hand blending the tour to make it feel immersive, like you were really moving. And what they switched to with the free version, hoping to have more people use it yes. was the pano to pano where you look and you see a blue dot and then you yes. navigate to the blue dot. And you have to it's gaze activated VR, right? So the gaze and holding your head in a particular location activates the virtual reality. Experience.
0: yeah, I, I I suspect that was a better decision because it reached more people. and for some, I you know e- e- even my wife, I think in the early days where I tried to have her look in virtual reality, uh, she you know, she did it once and said, "I can't do this." It just you know makes her nuts. Uh, where perhaps you and I were like, oh, this is the most exciting thing I could ever imagine.
1: I mean, I put it on the head of a quadriplegic and, you know, with just his eyeballs and looking around and moving his head, he was able to go and move around a house, move upstairs. And, um, you know, when he was asked by the conference organizer, like, what was the best thing you saw? He said it was that experience. And so, you know, I had really cool connections with people over creating that content. Um, that I felt like was enabling, um, you know, accessibility. Like ironically, VR is sometimes seen as something that's inaccessible, but this was actually bringing accessibility to people. So yeah, do, it was a good think, decision.
0: Uh, do you think Matterport VR is would be now accessible uh, uh, even in its different flavor today?
1: Oh, with the with the Quest, yeah, that's a good question. I don't. I, I would say, I I don't know. I, I don't really know the answer. It,
0: it's interesting because if you said, well, we're going to do it for the masses and we're going to, you know, make it so it doesn't cost anything. But I wonder what happened that Google Cardboard didn't get supported because that would have been the least expensive VR device to help people get on the yeah. on-ramp for, for virtual reality. Oh,
1: no, absolutely. And like I was saying, like I still have the Matterport app in my phone. and And so, you know, it's... It's all messed up. Like it hasn't been updated in a million years, so that this is definitely wonky, and it probably is obsolete at this point. But you know, it, it'll only get better. So that's the stuff we get to talk about, sort of in the now. Okay. and in
0: the we'll, we'll do that. I, I do want to touch on the, the Matterport Pro 2 3D camera introduced yeah. in the later latter part of 2017. Based on your timeline, um, how does the Matterport Pro 2 compare to the Matterport Pro 1 camera?
1: So the biggest differences for me were the, it was the fidelity. Everything else more or less stayed the same, but the image quality increased significantly such that they were saying that it was, uh, you know, 4k imagery, um, arguably, uh, with their panoramas, uh, which I think was great. Like the The fidelity had been so low that it didn't hold up to even some of the better 360 cameras that were coming out at the time, sort of all-in-one devices, probably the Theta. I would say at that time, maybe the Theta S. I don't think that the Theta V was out yet, Uh, but they were getting there. They were approaching sort of a, they were kind of the same. And so then when the Matterport Pro 2 came out, it was a big leap in fidelity and,
0: what about in terms of speed, Pro 2 being faster than the Pro 1?
1: Yeah, no, not initially. I, I don't remember when fast. I should have put fast capture on here. Do you remember when fast capture was updated?
0: No, So, but yeah, I want to say that be... that was a software, up, a firmware update that ran the camera. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, that it could spin faster and therefore you... Uh, I, you know it sounds doesn't sound like a big deal that you could save five or 10 or 15 seconds but it, it turns out if you're doing 200 scans in a day it's a big oh deal. yeah
1: it's mega it's a huge difference and you know and I remember doing speed tests where it was like 45 uh well it would depend like it's part camera the camera can spin fast but how fast does your processing device work? so like I always iPad. had these iPad minis in the beginning yeah. because um they had the most storage and that was always the biggest thing it was like the least amount of money for the biggest amount of same amount of storage, but the processors might not have been as powerful. And so they would take a little longer to align. And uh, yeah, fast capture was a big deal. And the other thing, the other thing that's very notable about the Pro 2 was the GPS. And so it was sort of like, it was interesting because up until GPS was put into the camera, the only way Matterport would know that there, as far as I know, that there was any connection between your property that you scanned and the location of that property was based on whether you entered an address. So for privacy, for for any reason, and the 400,000 scans that had been captured up until that point, it was not millions, it was about 400,000. The 400,000 scans that had been captured up until that point were not necessarily connected to any geolocation. And when the GPS was put into the camera, we were also not given the option to deploy To suppress that, so I was I was critical of it for various reasons. um, One of which I think was privacy.
0: Uh, I I think uh, for for us maybe who were early fans of Matterport, they. Did some things, unfortunately, that uh, were opting us in automatically instead of giving us a chance to opt in. We were automatically opt into stuff. And yeah, that we might assume for common sense purposes from privacy, security, and user choice. Um, that's a whole nother show.
1: That's a whole other show. But I think that the, uh, yeah, that that change was justified by them saying that for. Placing 360s outside, and that it would it would sort of assist in alignment. I don't know if that's actually accurate, but that's what we were told. Uh,
0: at the same time, you can move a 360 view manually either on your uh, iPad or uh, on uh, in Matterport Workshop. Um, yeah. But okay, uh, in 2018 shortly after the Pro2 comes out, according to uh, the Hopscotch interactive Matterport timeline, uh, Matterport uh, pairs with the Leica BLK360. What is a Leica BLK360 and why did it matter that you could use a BLK360 to create a Matterport scan?
1: So a Leica blk K360 is a um, sort of, I would say like a, a sister brother device. It's it's a device that they, um, that Leica manufactures. It is a um, LiDAR, uh, I believe, and LiDAR camera. And the thing is, is that it is a long range one. So it's highly accurate over long distances. And so it's used most effectively in large areas where you need to capture a lot of space. Um, you know, For example, like they did a, a demo at the Lawrence Livermore um, Science Lab at Berkeley, really close to us. And so they captured this huge dome. I think that's one of the ones that they first debuted showing us, look, we can capture. All the way to the ceiling because remember, the ceiling we got oftentimes get left out.
0: So, with a, a Matterport Pro 2, I would say you maybe do two and a half, three stories. Uh, inside a gymnasium, you'd probably lose the ceiling, the ceiling would, would be a gym, the ceiling would be too high. Yeah, like a Leica BLK 360, you can actually get the scan data, the data yeah. points of the ceiling,
1: ceiling, or you could scan outside. <laughs> Uh, you're not going to have the same interference as you have with the infrared camera. And so it is useful for, it's useful for sort of as like a companion to the Matterport because you run it with that, you can run it with the Matterport capture software and they are, it's like switching between a Matterport Pro 2 or switching between another um, another device. Okay,
0: so I heard uh, be able to scan outdoors, scan data, be able to do high ceilings or a greater distance, so covered larger areas. Uh, I would probably add uh, accuracy of the scan data versus the Matterport Pro Two, and then of course the trade-off is probably uh, nineteen thousand dollars for a Leica BLK three hundred and sixty, and it takes longer to actually do BLK360 scans. So you really right. have to, you're not really gonna just substitute that to, to do a house because it would take far, far longer than it would to do a, a Pro2 and it's probably overkill. And I'm gonna ask you the question about overkill residential Matterport data. Oh yeah. I'm gonna get there. Cause I know you mentioned that in yeah. uh, in your Hopscotch interactive uh, YouTube channel video. Uh, I noticed on your timeline, uh, there's a Matterport in 2018, a Matterport Pro 2 light camera. Yeah. Uh, What was that? Why did that matter, if at all?
1: Ah, So two things with that one. One was that it was a shorter battery life. And so they brought down the price to about $2,400. And that they were hoping would help people that needed to use it, just like an occasional realtor might pick one up. Uh, and have one around. And I believe also that the Pro 2 Lite, you could do a sort of pay-as-you-go model on the uh, hosting and the processing. And I didn't have one, but I know people who had them. And yeah, I I never, I was not a big fan of it. We we,
0: we won't spend too much time on it. We're Matterport service providers. We're planning to scan all day. We, We need a Matterport Pro 2 camera that can scan for eight to 10 hours uh, on a charge without a problem. The Pro 2, as you said, really designed for maybe a real estate agent just doing one property, uh, one battery in the camera instead of two, that was plenty. At the time, it was a, a, a play by Matterport to try and have a lower price point to have something for real estate agents. Just kind of fast forward today, if you have a Matterport Pro 2 Lite, you're now on new pricing and it's the same as a Matterport Pro 2 3D camera. And uh, if you want to get a second battery put in, uh, we get around network forum member fix. IO can put a second battery in it and it's now became a Matterport Pro 2. That's
1: cool. That's 3. cool that they can do that. Those guys seem to be really uh, able to uh, do some quite you know technical wizardry with their uh, hardware updates and har- yeah. their fixes. Uh,
0: 2018 is also the introduction of Google Street View, Matterport yeah. to Google Street View. What was that? Why did that matter or does it matter?
1: Yeah, it was cool because it basically was enabling us to publish right from workshop from a Matterport scan into Google Street View. And it was again, the same thing where they were, they started out offering it as a beta free for us. And then later they put a paywall up, I think 14.99 for a scan. Um, Matterport uploads to Google Street View are also very messy. The constellation, meaning, you know, the navigation which is why they purchased a virtual walkthrough. Not, I think that's one of the reasons they purchased virtual walkthrough around this time uh, was the tech. You know, the technical team that had really solved for a very elegant um, uh, constellation, and so uh, which is the navigation points, the waypoints for Google Street View or those types of uh, panoramic tours. But yeah, Google Street View was something that we could then do as service providers. It was another thing for us to offer to our clients. I don't find a huge amount of overlap between my clients and Google Street View clients.
0: So if you're doing residential, it it, uh, it doesn't matter at all. If you're doing commercial spaces and the client wants to be on Google Maps, then without any special expertise, a Matterport service provider can scan with a Matterport Pro 2 camera and in matterport workshop published to google street view but i think as you said sometimes the the walking uh, experience is not always perfect and so you can actually use a tool like pano skin pro to uh, export all the 360s from google street view import them into pano pano skin uh, pano skin pro to tweak that constellation, that walking around experience and then publish it back to uh, Google Maps. So yeah, a little exactly. bit geeky, it might be off the path. I know we, we got, I want to try and get, get you out of here. I know you got a scan coming up, so we're <laughs> gonna actually move on. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I,
1: exactly. It's a. I, I don't even have it on my website anymore, Dan, because I felt like, uh, you know, it, it's every Matterport service provider can do it, but it's not a core piece of my business.
0: Okay, uh 2018, uh January 2018, Matterport announces uh its uh SDK is open. What is that? What is an SDK? Why does that matter? Wh- what does uh, that enable? Yeah,
1: so the SDK is basically like, let's see, there's a couple of different uh definitions for that. It's uh, either it's software, is it software developer kit or it's uh it's it's basically. You know, depending on who's telling you what they think it is, it's it's it means that they're opening up their software, opening up the Matterport software for third party uh, developers to develop on their platform. So and they, why does that matter? It matters because Matterport had a lot of feature requests and they see themselves as a company that, uh, you know, was building this tool but not necessarily as developer of all of the infinite things people might want to do with a space. And so by opening that up to a developer ecosystem, it meant, Dan, that anybody could then come to Matterport. In the beginning, you had to sign up to be sort of a qualified software developer. Um, And uh, so that meant that uh, not everybody could get into it right away and they were really only doing it with qualified developers. But yeah, it's just, it's just so that anybody can build on top of the platform and uh, use the Matterport data sort of as their base uh, for creating other experiences.
0: So uh, that was 2018. I, I want to say that was kind of a public private beta use of the Matterport API SDK Hits. I think if we just fast forward to 2020, I, I want to say uh, 2022, in 2021, Matterport actually kind of re-announced the API SDKs and their partner program. And I'm going to say there's at least 100, if not 150 Matterport partners that are creating solutions based on the Matterport API and the various SDKs, yeah. Uh, some of which are actually uh, public. That- yeah,
1: exactly. And this is the stuff where, and I think the We Get Around Network is a great forum for this stuff because how are you gonna keep track of all of the people that are developing, of all of the different things? And you have such a repository of both historical information and then also these uh, different developers you know, are in touch with you and then they're sharing what they're doing. And I think, um, you know, we, and even me, you know, on YouTube, if I can, uh, when I have time, I like to share the things people are doing because I think it's, it's super exciting and that's where, yeah, they did re they reannounced it or they made it, made it, uh, a bigger focal point and that's very smart. They needed to do that.
0: So let's, maybe we'll just do analogy and and move forward. It's, I I have my iPhone, you held up your iPhone. It's kind of like the app store. Uh, It's it's like the iPhone is great, but it's incredibly great because of all the different things you can do with it because of the developers that are building out tools and solutions using the iOS platform. I imagine Matterport would hope that the same happens. Yeah. Uh, Cortex comes out in 2019. What is Matterport Cortex uh, and why does that matter?
1: So Matterport Cortex is this um, very cool computational uh, sort of artificial intelligence photogrammetry. I know those are very jargony words, but it is uh, Cortex is this ability for you to take a 360 pano and then to reposition that on the map and then to convert that into a 3d scan like it will basically map to uh the map to the geometry of the space. It works most of the time to do that, not all of the time. Uh, and so it helped us overcome things like, uh, you know, sunlight and uh, scanning outside or even being able to scan uh, with a camera that has no built-in uh, geometry or a time of flight sensor whatsoever, such as A Rico Theta V or an
0: Insta360? Let's talk about that because in 2019, uh, Matterport announces partnerships with uh, Rico, with the Rico Theta. Actually, I want to say the Rico Theta S, the Rico Theta SC2, maybe the Rico V.
1: Yeah, those are the ones. Yeah, I don't know about S, but SC2, V for sure, and Z1
0: uh, are which, then all which, which, which then subsequently came. I don't. I don't believe Z1 was out at the time that no. they did the announcement. Yeah. And in a similar fashion, Matterport announces a partnership, uh, an integration with uh, Insta Insta360. Yeah. So uh, e- today, I would say it's the Insta360 Insta One X2, the Insta360 One. Uh, next uh uh r insta- Oh, the r
1: yeah the r the r that's right so,
0: um but when it first announced i want to say it was with an insta 361. yeah so and was,
1: those are cameras that you could buy for let not three thousand five hundred dollars but for maybe 350 dollars, and then you could make the spaces and this is where i think we have also Philosophical divergence uh, between what is a professional space, and you know who, what's the, what's the true value of this space if the underlying data is a little messy and it's a little bit less clean, and you know, is it still valuable to us in the same way? And is the Pro 2 now overkill? Uh,
0: so, so the introduction of the Insta 360 and the Ricoh Theta paired with Matterport and now having the underlying Cortex, yeah. that sounds like, well, that was interesting because it enabled a 360 camera to sorta, kinda, do what a Matterport Pro 2 does, but at a price point from 350, as you mentioned, to maybe $1,000 yeah. instead of 3,500. I think the philosophical question is is probably for a, yet a different uh,
1: show. <laughs> I, think that's a good topic though because let me tell you it came up this week <laughs> but yeah
0: how, how did it come up
1: It came up because a um a property where two teams needed to be at the same time and one was a video team and one was a um a photo team and the video team was like no just do it with the uh the you know the z1 and I was like no but I really want to do it with the pro 2 and so You know, we all know that you can do this. And I even did a video um, on YouTube called Matterport versus Matterport. Can you tell the difference? And it's it's this question of, you know, how do you scale? How do you get faster? If you have to do five Matterport shoots in a day, it's a lot faster and realtors may not care. Whereas if you need the data for accurate floor plans, it's going to be worth spending the extra time to potentially use Matterport or a different floor plan solution. But certainly there are arguments for
0: both. Interesting in the We Get Around Network Forum, wganforum.com today, Thursday, January 27th, 2022, uh, a new member just posted this exact question. You, uh, no, actually an older member said, I have a Matterport Pro 2 3D camera. I'm looking at an Insta360 1X, uh, 1X2. Uh, what's the difference and how do I make a decision? So. I guess that part of it is price for hardware and second is speed and third maybe is quality. Does that sound
1: Yeah, and I think also error. I think that the using a using a a device like the Pro Two, which actually has that data and and, and can um, isn't going just on the photo is so going to have a better alignment. It, it I just trust it more personally.
0: So let, let's let's talk about quality in two ways. One is in terms of 360 imagery, and the yeah. other is in terms of three of, of 3D data. Right. So uh, how how does the image image quality compare with maybe an Insta 360 uh, One X Two, or you're using a Ricoh Theta Z1? How does the yeah. Z1 compare to the uh, Pro Two? And I, I think you've already answered the question you would rather use a Pro 2 for quality, but yeah. your team was asking you to use the Ricoh Theta Z1 because you could actually do the tour faster.
1: A different, yeah, a different, a different and, crew was asking me to do that and, and uh, or they were saying, did I know about it? And I said, of course I knew about it. And uh, you know, but that I wasn't really, I wasn't really a big fan of it. However, I the video that I did where I, I did the test and uh, I tried it, I mean, everybody can see the difference. I mean everybody could see the difference between the one scan with the pro two if they know what except
0: to look, the real like, estate agents. Do. So you know what to look for. But yeah. Most real estate agents, unless you told them and said this is the difference between this and this, you probably wouldn't know. You no. would know, I would know, yeah. our community would know. Um in terms of the data, were were you doing a space where the data mattered?
1: To the me, act- yeah. Yeah, to build floor plans. Yeah. Floor plans. So, so you I wanted actually to- wanted to have
0: act accurate data where you would say the Matterport Pro 2 would beat the accuracy of the uh, 360 cameras in terms of accuracy to create floor plans without having to maybe do laser measurements on top of everything else. If you're using a Ricoh Theta Z1 in in order to, I don't know which word to be, normalize, to calibrate, to calibrate the floor plan to the correct size.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, Okay, so that's kind of 2019. Uh, 2020 Cortex on the iPhone. Uh, 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 I'm looking at a True Plan for Xactimate. What what is a True Plan for Xactimate?
1: So TruePlan for Xactimate is basically a much, it's its something you can buy through Matterport. I was in the beta program for that too. However, I never got anybody to purchase one. Uh, so uh, I think it's really for crews that are construction companies or uh, renovation teams or architects who have an in-house need to have a level of detail, the LOD, uh, be higher. And so it was basically doing a, an enhanced Floor plan that includes more information and is also a lot more expensive.
0: So, and, and I would say, since uh, uh, my wife and I have been lucky enough to be through three floods in our house on different occasions, and adjusters come out. That's that's what they do. They they work with Xactimate in, in order to do the uh, the um, the claim documentation for flood, fire, etc. and that's what needs to be submitted to an insurance company and they work in Xactimate. And so maybe you can get use a Matterport to have the Xactimate created for you. That's actually a whole nother show. We've done at least two shows on this topic of cool. WGAN. So if you're interested, just Google uh, either Plan or Xactimate and Matterport uh, either in the We Get Around Network Forum, WGANForum.com, or just Google it, and you should probably still come up with WGAN-TV, Xactimate, plan Insurance Claim Documentation. Kind of in the 2001 time lot a lot of interesting things happened in terms of Android, capture only on iPhone, capture only with an Android device. Do you want to just take that whole topic as one?
1: Uh, yeah, I could just cover it briefly because I don't think it's it's that much to explain. It's just that, uh, you know, we had been really uh, in the iOS ecosystem. We had to pair with a... Um, an iOS device, whether that was an iPad, or that was an iPhone. And with the Pro 2 scanning, those models can get pretty big and pretty large, the larger the scan gets. So, you know, data, uh, having a a high capacity, high processing, best of the line iPad is gonna cost you a lot more money and having an equivalent Android device is not. And so I think it was opening up us to be able to scan and you know, we could do it on we could scan on our phones, we could use an Android device or an iOS device. And something that I think was already possible when they moved to Android capture was because of the Android operating system that meant that backup and moving of models was already a lot easier because I was still on iOS and I had struggled forever on capture on backup and transfer of models. Um, my team doesn't all live in the same city. Uh, so, and, but sometimes we want to finish a job for somebody else. And so we had have had to this day, we've had challenges with that. If we didn't have, um, the ability to transfer models. So this, this whole thing of Android, um, I think opened up the world, uh, you know, to Matterport in a different way. And it also made life easier for us to just share our data with other people if we needed to.
0: So, uh, I, I'm going to, uh, Maybe summarize some timeline elements, and I'm going to ask you to comment again on significance. Um, You can now use an iPhone, an iOS only device to do Matterport capture. Doesn't have to be paired with a Matterport Pro 2 or a 360 camera. You just can handheld use an iPhone or use an Android. Does that matter?
1: Oh, I've not tested Android. I don't use Android personally, so yes. I don't know the answer to that, but I believe you can do that with both.
0: You you can. And so uh, I, I'll just give you my short piece on it is to say, just because you can, doesn't mean that you have a commercial solution. I yeah. know, <clears throat> excuse me, it's, it's kind of beyond your timeline because your timeline is really features and, and such with Matterport not things like, well, how many people sign up for a Matterport cloud account? And, and I, I think the interesting thing is the cloud accounts for Matterport have skyrocketed, but it's because there's a free account and you can use a, a handheld iPhone only or handheld Android only to capture space. But after you do one scan, uh, this is not really a solution for uh, business. So you really need to go buy a camera uh, so I just kind of view it as a novelty. I'll, I'll put a footnote on that as I'll say, I'll change my mind tomorrow when Matterport comes out with a commercial grade rotator that pairs with a smartphone to create uh, 360s. And now I think that kind of leads into the LiDAR uh, that's built into our iOS devices now.
1: That's right. And I think that companies that are close, Dan, would be the Pivo, for example. You know, if if Pivo, um, do you know what I'm talking about? The
0: Pivo for real estate. Uh, in the We Get Around Network forum, if you just Google Pivo real estate, just three words, you'll pop up a video that Emily uh, has uh, produced on this topic. I think at least one. At and, least one, yeah. And there's a lot of content in the We Get Around Network forum on the Pivo. Uh, uh, real estate platform that uses a Pivo pod black specifically, that's the brand, pod black yeah. or creating a uh, virtual tours. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's this guy, right? Let's see if yeah. you can see it. Right. So yeah. this guy is- A rotator. The, yeah, a yes, rotator. Su- it's surprisingly a rotator.
0: that Matterport does not have a rotator to create scans for Matterport. Uh, right, so-
1: you would think. It's so cool. And I mean, it needs to be calibrated and it doesn't, it's not calibrated even for Zillow, but it's uh, it's close and it's a very, be- a much better, more uh, useful solution than holding it with your hand and shaking. Yes. Yeah. All
0: right. So Matterport comes out uh, recently with uh, notes, collaboration. What is that? Why does that matter?
1: So notes and collaboration. So my take on why this is important is that when we talk about Matterport as a digital <clears> twin <throat> company, and we look at uh, the things that it's heading into now, uh, it is being, it's it's using the model for more than just its virtual tour uh use case and it's saying actually no, there's a perennial use case for this model because we can use it to communicate with our team and we can mark up spaces and we can share and we can we can annotate and and it can be useful as a communication device um, or communication uh, you know sort of uh, I guess a location that we can join in together. And so it always was with matter tags, but this is this is more, this is more robust and this is where I think, um, Matterport's doing a few things in-house, but once you see the um, explosion of API uh, SDK um, partners with Matterport doing very cool things, you'll see stuff like way beyond what we can even imagine with notes.
0: My second to last question, in, in your video about the uh, Matterport timeline that you created, you, you talk about overkill for residential. Can, can you tell us about that and what does that mean?
1: What I meant with that was that uh, that sometimes the Matterport as a virtual tour solution is not necessarily necessary with, for example, a Pro Two um, Pro Two camera because it is it's so much data and it's so uh, rich with all the things that it can do, but we only use ten percent of it in the virtual tour and the rest of it's sort of lost and thrown out and actually very disinteresting. Uh, for the realtor. And so that's why I think that other virtual tours that just, if a, if a client just needs a virtual tour, they don't need to be asking for Matterport, but yet they do. And so it's, um, but people are saying, but I don't like the dollhouse. It makes me dizzy. It's, there's all this stuff. So, and, and that's why I would say, um, you know, Matterport had become very much the standard over the pandemic um, and over the last several years but I think that um, you know the dollhouse is the dollhouse, and the three D data that we get is ultimately more valuable for Mad Report than it really is for the realtor or for the seller, unless they're going to use it for notes or to go to Home Depot and to show their house to you know somebody. And and you have to really think what are the use cases for the underlying uh, data, and um, is that a value to me? And am I paying for something more than I need to if I'm getting a 3D scan uh, when I don't really need all of that?
0: Last question. Uh, Is there something that we didn't talk about the timeline today that we should really talk about? Ooh. Mm.
1: Well, I think that, uh, you know, we talked about, we talked about capture, uh, or sorry, we talked about being able to download spaces briefly. I think that's huge. That came out this, uh, just in January that we have this ability to do that. And yeah, I think that the, what we didn't talk about, Dan, are, are where is it going to go from here? You know, I think that the timeline is, is evolving and I am excited to see what ends up on the timeline next. So, um, you know, Matterport Digital Twin Company, Matterport Metaverse Company, uh, I want to know kind of, you know, what those next moves will be. And I think we'll probably have to <laughs> connect again on another talk and at another time. But those are... Those are the things that I would I would be curious about to see what get, what flag gets planted on this timeline next.
0: That's awesome. We should do that because mm-hmm. I, I think what's more interesting is, is to take the timeline from today forward and imagine what it either could be or should be. And why. And I suspect that we both probably have a lot of opinions on that topic. Emily, I, I know we could be talking forever on this timeline and doing a deep dive. I'm so grateful that you, I, I know you're, you're running out to actually do a, a scan today. So thank you for being on the show again.
1: Thank you, Dan. And thank you. And if anybody wants to reach out, they should connect with me at my website or... You know, connect with me on the We Get Around Network Forum.
0: On your website is hopscotchinteractive.com in the We Get Around Network Forum at Hopscotch. Uh, And we've been visiting with Emily Ullman. Emily is the founder of Hopscotch Interactive, based in the greater San Francisco uh, Bay Area. Super happy to have uh, Emlyn uh, on the show, taking us through the Matterport timeline that she's created. For, and, uh, for Emily in the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm Dan Smigrod, founder of the We Get Around Network Forum, and you've been watching WGAN-TV live at five.
1: Thank you. Bye.